We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Today we're here to break down the first few hours, few days, two days of Giants training camp. Nothing too serious yet. The pads aren't on. Really, Joe Judge, as we'll get to momentarily, broke down what these first few days are actually like. But there is some stuff to talk about. Some drama, some injuries, some off-season updates from these players that we haven't seen now in six weeks since OTAs. So we're going to get into all of that today. Before we get into any of that, Nick, how has your day and week been going? It's good, man. Football's back. Love it. Got the New York Giants. And uh, right off the bat, Dan, some some drama that all the Giants fans can just feast in with uh, our head coach and uh, a player that um, definitely is a little bit peculiar. Yeah, so Calvin Benjamin, who was trying to make the transition to the big tight end position, I guess the kind of big slot slash tight end. I didn't really ever expect him to be lined up in line and blocking. Maybe he could have done some, you know, had some some kind of impact on some plays as a blocker, but not much. He was cut yesterday. Um, he didn't show up in the shape that Joe Judge had apparently asked him to. Um, he was asked, I believe, to drop like 17 pounds in his mind. His, what he was told was different uh, from what, you know, maybe Dave Gettleman told him when he brought him in. He was a Dave Gettleman guy. Gettleman drafted him during his tenure in Carolina. And ultimately, Benjamin went off on Judge because he felt like he was never given a fair shot with the Giants. He said, unquote, it was all a hoax in a article with Zach Rosenblatt from NJ Advanced Media, NJ.com. Benjamin said, I just felt like they were trying to sabotage me to get me out of there on Wednesday. You know, it kind of felt like the world is against me, woe is me type of thing. Such a narcissistic thing, like trying to sabotage me. Yeah. I mean, listen, he had his own opinion of of what it was like to play with Joe, uh, Joe Judge as a coach. He said he felt like from day one, Judge never liked him, those types of things. I don't know too much about that. I wasn't there. No one was. Everybody has their own opinions. I've seen him sprawled out across Twitter. Obviously, most of them have been anti-Benjamin, who also went on to say that I don't think Joe Judge will ever win a Super Bowl in the NFL. You can't be that kind of coach in 2021. Basically, he was saying, you know, someone who's just yelling at the players all day has this very uh, strict, I guess, way of coaching. 
That remains to be seen. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt asked Nick Gates uh, about the Kelvin Benjamin situation, and Nick Gates just took a long, deep breath and then just decided not to answer James Bradbury was a little bit different he said you know he's entitled to his opinion I think Joe Judge is tough and then he went on to say (laughs) Dan as a draft I guess then he went on to say football is tough and he's building discipline and that's really just not for everybody if you feel me so and that's kind of what you get from Joe Judge that's kind of what I mean I feel like with Joe Judge is he is instilling discipline in this team and he does have that tough hard-nosed approach and as long as you do that the correct way and you start winning football games that's the way to build a winning culture but you have to start winning football games that's a, that's a big part that's a huge gigantic variable in all this yeah and i'm all for that i do think this is the right way to coach to build this discipline unit and like nick said it is a high uh, it's kind of like a high upside high risk high reward style because if you're not winning games and you're trying to do this it's done like the the locker room will completely collapse on you and then you'll be gone i mean that's just how it goes you can't be this kind of hard-nosed coach unless you're winning that's why belichick's been able to get away with it for so long because he's been able to be like okay listen it's gonna suck. You're gonna have to do all this conditioning. You're gonna have these hard practices harder than anywhere you've been. I'm gonna hold you accountable for every little thing, every little detail, and I'm gonna find you when these little details are overlooked. But you come to the Patriots, you win 11, 12 games every year. If you come to the Giants, you win six games every year. No one's going to buy into this at all. It's not going to work. But again, I am for it. And I think that in addition to that, I liked what Evan Ingram said because Evan Ingram said the standard that Joe Judge has created, the culture for this team, I like that. He's like, you strap your helmet on and you go to a war for a coach like that. And I think that's the highest upside there. That's kind of what I meant by the high risk, high reward. The reward, the high upside here is if you get everybody to buy in, it's so much better to get them buying in on a coach like this than kind of like a Matt LaFleur style coach where it's just all scheme, you know, uh, laissez-faire type of thing. Because when you get to the playoffs, we saw this with Tom Coughlin twice. When you get to the playoffs with this kind of hard-nosed coach, everyone has that kind of team-first give everything you got for your brother's feel and it kind of carries and leads to these kind of momentum swings and these big runs that you can go on so i think there's a ton of upside with this but i'm just not ready to crown him yet I, and that's totally fair but i also don't want to get this misconstrued like this isn't matt patricia who went in there and was arrogant towards his players and treated right. his players like crap joe judge shows a, a huge amount of empathy for his players when it's warranted it doesn't it might not be on the football field when mistakes are made because we don't want mistakes to be made week one week two but he definitely shows heart with these players and gets to know these players and i think that's incredibly valuable for the players to see their coach do that it doesn't seem like matt patricia somebody who's a bill belichick disciple as well ever did that in detroit we also saw how that uh, materialized yeah that didn't work out with patricia i mean he also ran a defense that i believe was like all man and just never (laughs) was he had a lot there were a lot of issues with matt patricia but you're right i think that's a big part of it you also have to have that you know empathy you have to have that player first side to you which joe judge definitely has i think obviously it didn't click with calvin benjamin by any means but i think it's clicking with some of the players that matter evan ingram james bradbury and it will click more if the giants win games and that's the key here all right, other news. First, let's preview by saying this is what we're dealing with right now at this stage of training camp. And this is from Joe Judge. There's a ramp-up period, so we really won't be in pads until next Tuesday. So just keep this in mind as you read all the reports and you hear about all these players playing well or playing poorly. Eh, I'm not so sure it matters that much. He says, so it'll be helmets and shorts for the next couple of days. We'll go into shells Friday and Saturday, shells the following Monday, and then we'll be in pads. So shells Friday and Saturday, that's coming up the next two days. 
that's not much either. First of all, they've been in shorts these past few days, so that's really not much at all. And then finally, 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 they're going into pads next week. And then it's, uh, but he says, even then, it's not a live contact day. He said he just wants to get them used to wearing the pads, wearing the equipment, moving around, getting our players used to just being out there. So we're still not going to see any live contact for a little while. So just keep that in mind as we go through. But we have had some news. Shane Lemieux was carted off the field uh, despite it being just shorts and shells. So that's, you know, but apparently it's not a, even though he was carted off the field, it was with a shoulder injury. So you hear the cart, you're, uh, I'm sorry, an elbow injury. You hear the cart and you're like, oh my God, what does this mean? But the cart's kind of unrelated to this injury. Like, like I think the cart is just not really, you see, anytime you hear cart, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be like AC, right? Like he can't move on his own, but this is a elbow injury. So I'm not sure the cart has any relevance here, but you, he could have done something really bad to his elbow that will, you know, if it, be... <sighs> Who knows how long it could be? If it did require a cart, because like when you walk, obviously yeah. your elbows move. Maybe like you just want oh, to right. keep it stable so it doesn't mm-hmm. move at all, and then you could cart him into the training room and look at him. I, I hate to hear this, man, because yeah, we- we've been critical of Shane Lemieux, but at that same time, we still want to see him in his oh, second yeah. season because there really isn't anything overly re- reliable behind him. Kenny Wiggins was the player who stepped up on the first team, not Zach Fulton, who had a terrible 2020. Although Zach Fulton does have good film in the last three years, Kenny Wiggins is a guy who was on the Detroit Lions last year and barely saw the roster, <laughs> barely saw the field on one of the worst rosters in the NFL. So that's not something that uh, I exactly love. So let's hope Shane Lemieux is okay. But it's hard, it's hard to say right now. Don't have the yeah, information. We don't have any information on this elbow yeah. injury. We're just going to have to track it. And obviously, like our evaluation of Lemieux is not relevant at all to his injury here. Like Just because he was really bad last year doesn't mean that the Giants don't need him. The Giants did nothing to address depth besides sign Zach Fulton, and he didn't even come in. Like Nick just said, Kenny Wiggins actually started taking the first team reps with the first team offense, not Zach Fulton, after Lemieux injury. And that but, could be because Kenny Wiggins knows Jason Garrett's system maybe a little right. bit more than than uh, than homeboy uh, Zach Fulton. Yeah, it's so early. None of that really matters to me, like the depth chart movement and first team, second team type stuff yet, because it's still again just shorts and shells they're not even in the they're not even in the the pads yet they're not even going to be anywhere close to live contact drills yet but having said that this type of injury this is when it hurts you when you don't you know you go a whole you go a whole 2021 draft without taking an offensive lineman which again me and nick said at the time and i stand by i didn't hate any of the picks they made at every single pick with those first three rounds I thought, you know what? The best player was not an offensive lineman here, so I'm just fine not taking him. It just didn't kind of work out, fall in their favor. But when all you do is that, plus sign Zach Fulton in free agency and cut uh, Kevin Zeitler, this is what can happen. This is one, you know, you're relying on no depth. You're relying on Hernandez and Lemieux to just take steps forward. And then if they get injured, what do you do? Well, now you turn to Kenny Wiggins. Well, now you turn to Zach Fulton. And now you're in trouble. And this is the second day of training camp. No hitting, and we're right. already talking about this. Like that's not a good sign. Seems like it's bad luck. I mean, these are all just like luck based exactly, things. Yeah. Like uh, an elbow injury just seems like bad luck. I don't know what happened or whatever. He might have just popped. I don't know. It's hard to speculate on this, but it does talk to like the main point here, which is the depth. The depth is certainly an issue. All right, let's talk about another offensive line. Will Hernandez? He dropped twenty pounds while, in his words, adding muscle. So he converted a ton of his body weight to muscle. Obviously now fully recovered from COVID. He talked a little bit about that. I saw a pic of him. He honestly looked like he's in the best shape I've seen him since 
actually literally since joining the Giants, he's never been in better shape. He was not in better shape his rookie season, which by the way, coincidentally, was probably the best shape he was in before this year and was his best season by far as an NFL pro, his rookie season. So how much can that help in your mind with the issues that he's put on film to this point of his career? How much of a big, should we be making a big deal about this? I think it's a great sign that he's 100% dedicated to his craft. I mean, you want to lose that weight, you're going to become naturally quicker doing that. And one of our biggest criticisms of Will Hernandez was him trying to pull and trap on those GF, GT type of counters, which is guard, uh, sniffer, or you can call him an F back, which is what Caden Smith basically is you can call him a sniffer, you can call him a, a tracer, whatever you want to. GT is guard tackle counter, which we also see sometimes. And he was just a little bit slower than Shane Lemieux doing that. He was a little bit boxy, I think, was the term that we used. And if he lost 20 pounds, then theoretically he should be a little bit quicker with those runs. And we know that those types of counter runs are some of the most prevalent runs that Jason Garrett loves to go to. They were effective down the stretch of the season with Wayne Gallman, and I expect them to be effective with a healthy Saquon Barkley. So I, I really like the fact that he did lose 20 pounds. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to Shane Lemieux this year. I mean, uh, Will Hernandez this year, to be honest with you. Me too. I have a lot of high hopes for Will Hernandez this year. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not all based in, I guess, logic. A lot of it's based on feel, just a pure gut feel. Sometimes in life, you have to have gut feels with things, sports, games, whatever you're playing, competitions. I got a good gut feeling about Will Hernandez this year, and I think the 20 pounds will help, dropping the 20 pounds for sure. I also think, like you said, maybe he dedicated this specific offseason to reconverting his body weight and reshaping his body because he knew the system already because he played in it last year and he knew he would have to because he's going to be operating different kind of plays and he had to operate under Pat Shermer when he was running a lot of inside zone and now he's got to be on the move a lot more often so maybe he wants to be quicker and maybe he knows he has to be quicker be lighter on his feet too in pass protection whenever whenever he has to mirror and everything like that which you see obviously you don't see as much from a guard as you do from a tackle but we still see that on film and it's something that he did pretty solidly even at the heavier weight that he was previously but no yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to what Hernandez can do but I wanted to ask you if this Lemieux injury is serious does do you think the Giants shift Hernandez to the left side that's a good question I was wondering one would they shift Hernandez to the left side two would they make a concerted effort to sign a guard if the injury is serious I'll start by answering your question I think if the injury is serious well, I guess they kind of kind of go in hand in hand. If the injury is serious, let's say it's like season ender. Hopefully not. That would be Jeez. devastating. Week day two of training camp, and the Giants are suffering a season-ending injury to a projected starting player. It's just unbelievably unfortunate and unlucky. And they kind of had that last year, by the way, early with the McKinney injury. Like, yeah, he wasn't projected as a starter, but he was going to start. He was going to play a lot of snaps. But if it happens, and it, and they have to move on from Lemieux for 2021 at least. I think that they have to go out and sign someone, and I think they will go out and sign someone. And so that kind of clouds my take, I guess, because I'm not sure. It kind of depends if that player is a right guard or a left guard, and it kind of also depends at the time of which players are available. And it doesn't mean they're going to – like, let's say the news is we find out tomorrow after recording this, Shane Lemieux's out for the year or out for an extended period into week eight, week nine mm-hmm. range. I don't think that means they're going to rush out and sign someone immediately who's going to be their long-term fixture. They still have time. There's still going to be cuts coming up in training camp. Big veteran players are going to be cut from teams based on you know, just different things. It's not just cat-related. Some of it is like t- Team A 
drafts a guard that they weren't expecting to play right away but this guard is unbelievable in camp and he looks great in the preseason he looks better than the veteran to some extent and they're like you know what let's just get him in and get him reps right now instead of waiting with this veteran who's on the last year of his deal here or who you know isn't in our future plans and so they cut the veteran guard well in that case the giants can scoop up that veteran and they have to wait though but it's not going to happen right away these guys aren't available now so i think that's in play but all options will be on the table, man. I don't think they're going to look at it like we can't convert him back to guard, uh, left side. You know, I think they're, they are they got to keep it on the table. Let's just hope, knock on wood, this Lemieux injury isn't serious. I wonder if they want Will Hernandez because now he's the elder statesman on this line, which is ridiculous. If Matt <laughs> Parrott is starting on the right side, if they want Will oh. Hernandez on the right side. I'm wondering if that's going to come into their mind at all. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point, too. That, that could be in play here as well. And then you also have to think about, like, if you know if Lemieux's hurt where do they is that the time where they have to I I just don't know where they view the depth of this guard position right now like are they happy with Kenny Wiggins and Zach Fulton because Wiggins knows the system like you mentioned or has a little bit of a feel in the system and because Fulton like was good before two years before last year he was pretty good quality NFL lineman is that where they, they view I just don't know how they view those two and it kind of shapes that opinion and I know this, like, if they do bring in another guard, we've been harsh on Shane Lemieux, and rightfully so. He was arguably the worst pass-protecting left guard in the NFL last year. But he he was entering year two in the same system. And anyone they bring in from another team is going to have to learn the system. And that's going to give them at least a little bit of a step back. A little bit, definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right, Xavier, I don't want to get too much into, like, training camp updates from the practices yet because again these are shorts and shells like they don't have anything on them there's literally nothing going on here but i did think it was interesting xavier mckinney's been pretty active so far in practice he nearly intercepted a daniel jones pass in the red zone during thursday's am practice he says the game has really slowed down for him this year I think it's all systems go for McKinney. I'm extremely excited about what Xavier McKinney can do in year two. Are you on board with that? Oh, absolutely. And it's something we've been singing McKinney's praises for a while now. And I think we're just going to see a really unique utilization of him. Everything from deep center field to Mm -hmm. playing near the line of scrimmage to lining up in the slot to possibly lining up in the box sometimes depending on the situation and the offensive personnel. I think he's just incredibly versatile because he can do so many different things for Patrick Graham who loves to employ his specific players like him in a unique manner. So I I am looking forward to McKinney and uh, hopefully everything goes swimmingly this training Right. And I think you're right. I mean, they get. I loved what James Bradbury said actually today, I believe it was, about McKinney. He basically went to bat about how just smart he is and how really instinctual he is playing the stage position. I think that's what me and you noticed Which a lot. We saw it in spurts, yeah, definitely exactly. during the Dallas game a little bit. Yep. And that was, you know, coming off of the foot injury, killing his offseason, killing most of his season, not really having live reps to learn the system so there sky's the limit i think for mckinney i'm extremely excited speaking of watching film game mm-hmm. pass listen to me get it together <clears throat> get it back up what are you doing right now okay it's absolutely ridiculous you can access it on your phone on the nfl app for anybody who likes watching the all 22 you can still get it android android ios on your phone but it's just not available on desktop right now and it's infuriating there's the game pass has been ballyhooed and just bashed by everybody i've seen on twitter (laughs) for the past 48 hours but i listen i don't know why they're doing that maybe they're like updating the system or something i don't know if that's if they're doing it to withhold film from people have you ever seen the south park episode about the cable companies 
No. South Park episode about the cable companies. I'm not. It's essentially the cable companies basically hold all their clientele hostage because there are no other like cable companies in their area. So every time the clientele are like, "Hey, we need the cable this uh, installed at this day by this day," and they're like, "Oh," and they start rubbing their nipples. Actually, sorry to get graphic here, and they go, "Well, sorry, I can only do three months after that. You're gonna have to find somebody else." And there was nobody else, obviously. It was this huge joke in like uh, one of the South Park episodes about uh, how the cable companies basically hold all their clients hostage. And I feel like Game Pass does the yeah. same exact damn thing because we can't get any other all twins. Yeah, We'd be like, hey, Giants, let me get that. They're going to be like, no, screw you. It's a good point. I mean, maybe that is the case. Who knows what's going on there? All right, we're going to get into some tweets from the beats, tweets from the beat reporters that caught our attention. Before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tweets from the beats, Dan. I like this. You like that little little rhyming scheme? What's your, what's your rapper name? Uh, I don't rap. You don't rap? And listen, if you want to go into rap, that opens up the door for me to bring up your past rapping career on the podcast. Which, uh, which That's we'll leave it that. If someone picks up on it, though, we might have to expand on it. But for now, we'll do some beats. Those things were hilarious, bro. I, I want to hear them. I still haven't heard them, and I know you have them saved somewhere, and you're withholding them from me, and I don't like that. But some tweets from the beats that caught our attention. Patricia Trena. She said, one thing I'm seeing with Daniel Jones is how much quicker he is with his drop back and release. There's no pass rush, mind you, but he's got to be getting the ball out of his hands in well under two and a half seconds. What do you make of this one? I mean, it's good to have a release, but this is, again, you're going up against a defense. They're not really playing 100%, so I don't make too much of that, to be honest. I make nothing of it. Daniel Jones needs to improve his mental processing, and this doesn't show that in any way. But maybe he is, I guess... Saving a half second in his drop back, that's worth something maybe. Pat Leonard said, Saquon Barkley just caught a pass while working with trainers, turned up and burst up the field, way back far up the field. I was watching with binoculars, but Barkley was moving. <laughs> I like uh, the optic of Pat Leonard sitting there in the stands with binoculars <laughs> for some reason. 
<laughs> I like that. I'm making a lot of this one, actually, oh, though. Absolutely. Because I've been on the train of Saquon Barkley's a lot more healthy than people think. All these reports are BS. Um, I still think I'm gonna see, they're going to see him out there week one with 20-plus touches. I stand by that. I'll stand, I've said that multiple times throughout this offseason. And listen, if he's moving that fast and bursting like that, then the situation is what... I think, I believe one of the Beats tweeted this out recently, or maybe it was Rappaport. Someone was like, the real situation with Barkley is this. He feels like he's ready to go, but the trainers want to play cautiously. And that's how I felt that's it is the whole time. So New York Giant-like. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's right. I mean, I'm fine with them playing it cautiously. But what that tells me is when week one comes around, he's not going to be on this like, oh, you get five touches this week. Now you get seven. Now you get nine. No, no, no. They're going to put him out there. He's their offense. At least that's my guess. Patricia Traina also tweeted, Carter Coughlin is having a nice start to camp so far. He's been very active and around the ball a lot. What do you make of that, Nick? I like it. I mean, we've been saying that Carter Coughlin is somebody who realistically could be cut if he didn't have a great camp. So, I mean, we're a day and a half into camp right now. Right. So it's good to see that he's around the ball often. And hopefully that means also at the linebacker position, but that wasn't specified in the tweet on the beat. It wasn't specified in the tweet from the beat, but we think we can maybe, I guess, make that assumption. I like this one a lot. I think the Giants really need depth at the inside linebacker position. If Carter Coughlin can fill in that role, that is huge for them. All right, Pat Leonard also tweeted, Today was a hard practice, despite just being on day two. Full team 11 on 11 turned up, even though there was no sh- not shells or pads yet. Plus some cross-field sprints for conditioning at the end. Several guys kneeling down, looking like they got oxygen. Looking like they need oxygen, Pat Leonard. But yeah, um, I mean, I think in a couple weeks, this won't be as severe because they're just, I don't want to say they're out of shape, but they're just not in full training camp shape yet. Not in football shape yet. Exactly. This happened in college. happens at every level. In the beginning, if you go really, really hard in the beginning, everybody's going to be a little bit winded in the beginning. Anyone who's played organized sports knows this. I will say this, though. I think this is partly just what Joe Judge camps are. Like, it's day two, and he's firing off conditioning drills on you. And again, high upside. High, I think it's high upside. As long as they start winning games, people will, they'll buy in. But if they lose, it's tough. When it, you're losing, the message starts to wear out a bit. Yeah, it's also something where all the young guys in camp now, they, they're aware of this from last year, the guys who right, were there. Right. And now they're going to be like, yo, I ain't going to be one of those guys like on the ground like dying. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. show up a little bit in shape, you know, a little bit more in shape than maybe somebody else, and then I look better than them. Yeah, I saw something also with Clayton Thorson and Corey Clement or Clayton Thorson and Brett Hagee, they missed missed a snap. They had a bad snap, and they had to run laps. So I think a few other Giants have had to run a bunch of laps so far. So there's that as well. Other team notes. Uh, the team has done a lot of red zone-specific work in the first two days of camp. Did you make anything of that? Yeah. I mean, the Giants were not that great in the red zone last year, so they definitely are going to need that. It's good that they're focusing on it, but I wouldn't expect anything different. That's a huge part of what offenses practice. And just to touch on what you just said earlier, Aziz Ojolari, Nick Gates, Daniel Jones, Brett Hagee, and Alex Bachman were the lap runners, according to Pat Leonard. Well, at least they make Daniel Jones do it. I think that's cool. Yeah, they have Um, to. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they're doing a lot of red zone specific work in these first two days, especially since things haven't ramped up yet. I think the red zone offense is a really important piece of will the Giants improve in 2021? Will they win actual games outside of their division and against backup quarterbacks? Well, then they need to score in the red zone. Then they, when they get down there versus Steelers, that needs to be a touchdown. It can't be a turnover. And there were a few other games like that, some of their tougher losses, the Rams, th- things of that nature, where they had to settle for three and they got down in the red zone. That can't happen as often this year. Couple other things, wide receiver cornerback matchup so far. Apparently it's been a lot of Darius Slayton matched up against Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay 
matched up against James Bradbury. What this tells me, Nick, is that Slayton has a leg up at that Z position. What do you think? I think so. I mean, I think the 11 personnel package is going to be some combination of Rudolph or Ingram, depending on whatever they want to do with Galladay, Slayton, and Shepard. And then Kadarius Toney kind of mixed in there every now and again. And say Kadarius Toney ends up, you know, just having a dominant training camp and outplaying Slayton, then he'll get moved in there. But I never expected Kadarius Toney to get some of the first reps early on in training camp over some of these veterans. But does it tell you anything about their 12 personnel package? They've said they want to run a lot with Rudolph and Ingram on the field. For those of you who don't know, 11 personnel means one running back, one tight end, three receivers. 12 personnel means one running back, two tight ends, and just two receivers. So my question would be, does this mean uh, Slayton has a leg up on Sterling Shepard in those 12 personnel packages? You know, I'm not going to read that far into it because I think it will be situational. Uh, fair. I think uh, if I were to pick one, it'd probably be Darius, Darius Slayton because I do think Sterling Shepard's going to be more of the quote-unquote slot. But we've seen Jason Garrett mix and match Slayton and Shepard outside and in the slot. So I'm not going to read too far into it. Okay. I think that's cool. All right. We're going to do a couple more, actually. Before we do a little injury roundup, which I'm getting to, we're going to do a couple other random quotes from the Beats. So these are tweets from the Beats, random quotes from the Beats. One of them that stood out to me that you put in here, Nick, was, uh, I think it was Patricia, no, it was the Giants, I guess, or somebody, maybe you, who made this observation that Andrew Thomas looks huge this year. Is that you? No, it's not me. Okay. (laughs) I don't have a tweet, I don't have a beat writer who's attached to this one, so we'll just have to pass that one along and say- I think it's somebody from, I think it was uh, whoever runs the BBI uh, website. Okay. So Eric from BBI, there you go. Apparently, according to Eric from BBI, Andrew Thomas looking huge this year, so that's good. I'd like to see him come in in shape. And he's an effing beast. An effing beast. All right, well, again, family-friendly podcast. No, it actually says effing beast. <laughs> and everybody knows what effing means, though, Nick. So let's... <laughs> Yeah, but Eric chose not to put the F word. Good for Eric. He's All right, other injury notes and roundup. Uh, the reserve COVID list currently includes Blake Martinez, safety Joshua Kalu, and tight end Ryan Je- Rice and John. Um, the unable to perform list, the pup list, includes Barkley, Rudolph, and apparently Barkley and Rudolph were training together on the side of the field, and they did this like simulated screen pass play where Rudolph got out and tried to block in space against an air, I guess. That's cool, I guess. Matt Pear, Jonathan Harrison, O'Shane Ziminens, and Aaron Robinson. So a lot of guys they want to get back, to be honest. The reserve non-football injury list, the NFI list, has Reggie Ragland and Ryan Anderson. So that's not great either. But it's early. Not going to make anything of this. Taekwon, or Taquan Mazel, the running back, is on injured reserve. Kadarius Tony, who was on the reserve COVID list, at least yesterday, was working with trainers on the sideline and did so more today. Judge said, he's going to ramp up with our trainers. We'll see where he is physically before we can kind of bring him back completely. Yeah, and that's uh, something I would expect. You're not going to rush the kid back after all that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Give him time. It's still so early. Some other notes. John Ross was apparently impressive on special teams, both as a returner and in coverage. Do you make anything of this? Don't fumble the football, John Ross, if you, if you are the <laughs> returner, because he's had trouble hanging right. on to the football and catching the football. So those are two things that are really, really imperative when it comes to being a returner. You're not wrong about that. Do you? Ma- I, I think the only other thing I would make of that is that if he can continue to impress on special teams, this is his leg up to make the roster. I want John Ross to make the roster. So do I. I think he ha- can add something to this team, especially if injuries start to strike. I think he can, it, when he's on the field, 
it's good for the offense in general. It opens up space, and you can kind of also potentially use him on jet sweeps and things of that nature. I know you have Tony for that as well, but you know, let's say Tony gets hurt or Shepard gets hurt or they're not available for one week. Now you have another guy who can do that, and he also has the vertical presence, so he can kind of take the top off of the defense, open up that middle of the field for the tight ends and in-breaking routes for Galladay. Absolutely, and I mean, who's he really competing with? You got Dante Pettis. And then, I mean, the CJ Boards and the David Sills, that might be one right. spot as a gunner. So one of those two guys could just try to win that spot out. But his main competition, I would say, is Dante Pettis. I think John Ross brings a totally different element to the offense that Dante Pettis brings. And not to get, you know, overly lazy with the analysis, but Dante Pettis has a similar type of skill set to somebody maybe like a Darius Slayton. Right. So I, I'd rather go with somebody who has a totally different skill set in a John Ross who is the most explosive and the fastest player on the team if he makes this roster. Yeah. I think that's spot on. You nailed it there. And I think the Giants are also have also met, or they met yesterday with Cody Core, former Giant, mm-hmm. special teams ace. So he might work his way back into the mix and complicate things for that wide receiver position because they are, you know, a special teams first type of roster build. When it comes to those back end spots, they really do stress your ability on special teams for those back end players. And so that could be, you know, something to keep in mind as well. A couple other notes. Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay stayed after practice the past two days to work on end zone routes, fade routes, and it was apparently under the guidance of offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. So anything to make of that? That's what you would hope. <laughs> yeah. It's what you would hope. Get get that uh, rapport built, even though they were doing it all offseason, which I also love to hear. So it's definitely uh, something great. Did you also hear that the Giants brought in, just because we brought Cody Coy, they brought sure. in Todd Davis as well? Yeah. Remember back in, like, I think it was, like, 2018? Like, oh, Dodgers are going to go out and sign Todd Davis. Yeah, I do. Remember that? Yeah. It was a big thing. It was a big thing. Looking at him last year, I mean, he ended up on the Saints, and I think he played one total defensive snap. No, it was from Minnesota. And then he went to the Saints, and now he's a free agent, apparently. So his last year of production was in 2019. And according to Pro Football Focus, I haven't grinded his film. It wasn't overly impressive, and he's still only 29 years old, though, so it could be interesting. Yeah, I don't think there's anything... Uh, too much to make of that, but like you said, some upside given the fact that they don't have much depth at that position. So there's two roster spots available after Mizell right. got uh, released and Calvin Benjamin. Or was there three? Wasn't there somebody and Reichwell Armstead? They never brought in anybody, mm-hmm. right? So there's three roster spots available. So realistically, the Giants could add these guys, see what they have left. And they still haven't even signed Nate Ebner, who's done with the Olympics. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Ebner could also be back in the mix. Who knows what's going to happen That was with a that. couple weeks ago, though, too. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's interesting. Keep an eye on those back-end roster guys. A few other quotes that caught our attention. Dexter Lawrence was asked if Danny Shelton makes him feel small. He laughed and said, a little bit. He's a massive (laughs) dude. That's good. The Giants want a massive dude in the middle of that defense. It helps Patrick Graham do the things he wants to do schematically. Dexter Lawrence also said he doesn't know a single player on the Giants who doesn't like Coach Judge. He said, I can't think of one. So, again, really good news there. The players have fully bought into him. I don't think there's anything that can go wrong from the Benjamin situation from, from that standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. All right, that's all we have for today on the Camp Updates. As always, please do us a favor and follow us on all of our social platforms and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you enjoy this show and want more content, we're going to give it to you anyway, but this is my fake shameless uh, plug bluff. I guess you can call it a fake bluff that the only way you're going to get more is if you give more, but that's not true. But just do us a solid anyway and help us out. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We're now up to 622, I believe, so about 18 of you left reviews recently. Be part of the 57 who leave reviews today or something like that. (laughs) Leave us a rating and review. All you have to do is go to your iTunes page, 
Go to Big Blue Banter on your podcast app. Scroll down to the bottom where it says write a review. Click five star, and then it'll pick up a it'll pop up a box with a review. Write in anything you want. If you ask any questions on there, and we haven't had any recently, otherwise we would have answered them. We'll just answer it right away on the podcast. So that's a good way to get questions into us, or give your takes on food or anything of that nature. Anything you want to talk about. Recently, I if I bled, it would be Blue said, "No way. This is the most amusing and insightful Giants podcast for sure." Nick's ridiculous food habits are they real? They are too. Rid- ridiculous is he just setting up dan to look brilliant by playing a fool i love you if i but thank you for that that made me look so good but you know what they are crazy as food habits but i gotta be honest with you if you look at nick and you get a good picture of him go to the youtube page that's another place we want you to follow us on youtube and instagram at ny big blue banter on youtube it's just big blue banter but if you look at nick there the man is in absolutely incredible shape like flawless shape the guy hasn't eaten a carb since 1996 <laughs> that's a lie i mean we're talking 17 years without a carbohydrate. So, again, it pays off in the end. <laughs> I mean, I do want to enjoy myself a little bit more. But, uh, Dan, <laughs> you brought up bluffing before. Does that have anything to do with the Plo 8? <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. That's a little funny side conversation that me and Nick so – um, so I've been play- I play a lot of poker. As some of you might already know, I can uh, – you know, I'm a, I'm a very – I guess poker enthusiast is what I'll call it. But recently I've gotten to a new game. So mostly people know Texas Hold'em, the game you see on TV, World Series of Poker. It's the one on every year, that big $10,000 tournament. Some people know Pot Limit Omaha, which is a game called PLO. In abbreviated, or I'm sorry, abbreviated to PLO. But there's also a game called PLO 8, which is a high-low game. So there's a high pot and a low pot. And for the low pot, you need to have three, uh, two cards in your hand that are lower than eight. And then on the board, there has to be uh, three cards that are eight or lower that don't match the cards in your hand. So it's called PLO8. But Nick saw it, recently saw it and thought it was, and obviously he doesn't, has never played poker in his life, has no interest in poker, and thought it was called PLO8. So he's like, oh, is that, that that's the PLO8 game you're playing? <laughs> it's just really, really good stuff. Oh, that was so funny. Anyway, have a great rest of your week. We'll be talking to you soon, though. More training game updates to ensue.